Saturday, it talks about eating and drinking Jesus. It talks about the ability. I'm going to pray real quick. Sorry. <laughs> okay. God, we just thank you for your presence. And we thank you, God, that this is all about you. Everybody who is here, Father, they want to hear from you. They want to take something away, Father, for something new to happen tonight, God. Even if it was just community, even if it was just to have a voice, maybe it was a place to be heard, Father. Whatever purpose and whatever reason brought anybody into this place tonight, Father, I thank you that you are God that answers us, Father. So no matter how it comes, whether it comes from my voice, whether it comes from from Cody, whether it comes from their neighbor that talks to them and prays over them, God, we thank you that the answer that was in their heart and in their soul of anything that they desired tonight, Father, we thank you that just aligns with your truth, and we thank you that you are God that fulfills those things. So God, I ask you that would anybody walked in here tonight that there is a fulfillment in their heart from just being in your presence, just being with friends, and I pray that they still get a word out of my mouth that comes from you. Something that they can take home, God, and hold on to, Father. So we hand this night to you, God. We ask you, Father, just usher in your presence, Lord, that we would hear you clearly, Father. That we would know what it means to enter into a relationship with your son, God. And not allowing the word of intimacy, Father, to scare us, God, but to drive us to know him in that way, God. We ask that you expose our innermost thoughts and anything that would divide us from entering into intimacy with your son. I ask that tonight, God, is that time, Father, where you can bring things up inside of us that might be in opposition to being able to enter into that place with your son, Father. So we just hand this evening to you, God. In your name, amen. Amen. Um, Okay, so that is where I'm going. I could tell by in my prayer. So that's what I was feeling like that... I wanted to talk on, like, what is real intimacy? What is intimacy with Jesus? Especially when I kept going on a tangent of eating and drinking Jesus. And a lot of people don't understand what the heck that means. And I kept saying it over and over again, and I was yelling it. And I wasn't explaining what it was. So, yeah. Eat and drink him! <laughs> it's like how it came across on Saturday. And then I don't explain, like, what I mean. A lot of people, you'll sit there and you go... Well, what does that mean? I don't think I ever heard a teaching like that. And if I did, I can understand why Jesus offended people, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I may have done that to some people on Saturday. So I realized it would probably get, be good to elaborate on that text and elaborate. I'm going to give you guys very, very applicable things, like for your day-to-day life in this stuff. I feel like it's going to be something that's just going to make sense for your personal day-to-day. Like in how... How do you enter into that space with Jesus? And what are the things that go on in you that will oppose it? Like very simple things, very simple things. It's going to make you think about your relationships. It's going to make you think about your mind. Think about um, the stuff and how you live at home and what you have as your atmosphere, as your uh, things around you, the people around you that will keep resistance on you from being able to enter into intimacy. Now, whenever I brought up this topic, because I've in a lot of like different ministries and I used to do this ministry called rejuvenate I basically speak every other week and it was an open house to whoever wanted to come and so I went into the topic of intimacy and this was all women women's ministry I made a lot of women uncomfortable with just the word intimacy they didn't understand how you can talk about God intimate like how do we align God the Father Jesus with intimacy because that word can sometimes freak people out people don't understand some people identify intimacy as sex other people identify intimacy as cuddling a teddy bear. I don't know. <laughs> like, some people just don't know what that word actually means, you know? So what does it mean if we're talking about God? What do we mean when we say intimate? What do I mean by that? 
Now, when I say it and when I'm talking about it, it means entering into a, a, a relationship with God as a person. Meaning, God is no longer the one on the throne room, the one that you beg in prayer, but he is the one that you align with day to day. The best friend, the husband, the wife, the brother, the sister, the boss, you know, the, the fr- like the, that person just always next to you. But it's even more than that. It's being able to enter into an emotional state with God where you know him to always be true and faithful. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say one of the biggest things that will keep you from a place of intimacy with God is your prayer life. Because here's the thing. There's scripture in Isaiah that talks about the angels in the throne room. They declare around the throne room the holiness of God. That is their assignment. I don't know if it's cherubims or seraphims. Their specific assignment is the throne room, okay? And they move around releasing the holiness of God, the praise of God. That is the throne room of God in heaven. If you want to enter into a place of the presence of God, you have to enter into a place of releasing praise. It's the quickest way to enter into relationship with God where you can clear your mind. So when if you see me ever like doing ministry stuff, I always talk that I need to pray and shift the atmosphere. And let me explain what that is. Because there's demons in the atmosphere. There's opposition in the atmosphere. There's things. What happens the first time? Does, do any of you guys have a, like a very specific day-to-day way that you spend time with, with God? Does anybody in here have that? Like whether it's a devotional, whether it's the morning waking up in prayer, whether it's just I say that this is my time in the morning or the night or whatever it is, or when I drive in the car and I do that, you talk to him. If you don't have that, I'm not here to tell you that you need to have your morning 30-minute devotional. It's about every moment can be a moment to be with him. It's not about I'm just going to make this the time to be with him. But it's that I can be in the moment all the time. But if you don't know how to shift the atmosphere around you in order to enter into that place, what's going to be the first thing? The moment that you sit down, I'll just challenge you tomorrow morning, check this out and try it and watch what will happen to you. Go sit on your couch or wake up in the morning, sit up in your bed, pull out your Bible and try to enter into prayer and reading. And I promise you the first thing that's going to come into your mind is everything else you have to do. It instantaneously instantaneously you're going to want to check your phone you're going to want to go on facebook you're going to want to go on instagram you're going to want to message the person that you may like or your mom or your husband may come in and tell you that you need to go do something instantaneously a distraction will come in what is that that's the atmosphere of the devil the 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 thing he doesn't want you to do is to be able to enter into just communication with the father so your mind will be instantly taken to another place it's so quick and you can have it, so I live alone, and I, ha- and, uh, I have nobody in my apartment but a cat. It's awesome. <laughs> but, and my cat doesn't talk back to me, so it's so good. <laughs> I'm a bit of an introvert. I don't like to talk to people all day. I need my space. Like, leave me alone. But the one thing that I notice that any time that I have to get into that space with God is the time that everything else comes in at what I need to do. Because I'm so aware of the spirit realm and so aware of how the enemy wants to detour that, he wants to keep me away from that. So everything on my checklist that just came up was the enemy trying to distract me. There's something about unruly emotions. And let me go here because this is for somebody very specific in here. Your emotions go so haywire that you can't enter into prayer because of it. Meaning that you get anxiety, you get fear, you get like something always constantly twisting your mind that God has become somebody so on the outside of you. 
Like you're not able to enter into a place with him because your mind goes in circles. And there's a thing with relationships. You can have a relationship in your life, a soul tie connection to a man, a woman, a girl. It could even be your parent. It is unhealthy. And so the moment that you are engaged in that relationship, your mind can't go anywhere else. Has anybody ever tried to spend time with Jesus and you need to keep checking your phone? Because whoever's texting you is actually more important than what you're doing over here. I mean, I'm just giving you very like specific little things. I mean, these are things in your day-to-day just to, to be how that we live, that these are the ways that the enemy tries to shut down intimacy. It's just a distraction. It's just to get your mind to look away. It's to get you to look at the opposite thing, to not be able to enter into the place that God wants your mind in a place of peace. It's a very, very, it actually feels extremely painful when you start to get to that place with God. When you start to actually go into the the position of shutting down your mind to get to that place with him to where you experience presence. Do any of you ever experience God's presence alone where you can feel and usher in his presence? I don't mean to like make you hand raise. There's, there's ways, oh yeah. Who, who's cooler than the other person? Stand up if you feel, sorry, did not mean to do that to everybody. <laughs> that was not my intention. Yeah, yeah, I'm laid out, just drop, fall over. Here's my point with that. You can experience God's presence when you're alone. You don't have to go somewhere like this to get to experience God's power. You don't have to come into a place. Have you ever seen the people that chase those things that need to go into, they're going to conferences all the time, or they're going to something to get something and to experience God because when they're alone, they're in turmoil and toxicity, and they take what they got there and they keep it for about a week, and then they got to run to the next place? What is that? For anybody who's ever experienced that, who needs to find the filling of your soul to go somewhere to get it, Sometimes it's just you need, you're desperate for community, and that's okay. It's okay to, to need community. God's in community, but he's also in intimacy with just him. So it's okay to have the space that's alone when it feels uncomfortable. It's okay. It doesn't mean that you're not cool <laughs> and not popular. That's not what that means. And I think that I like, you know, what would happen to me when it came to my ministry is that God would just shut things down. And I'd go from doing a lot and being asked to do a bunch of stuff, and then all of a sudden, no emails, no invitations, nobody signing up for classes. Everything goes shut down. Now, if I was to look at that, and the natural that would look like, did I just suck at what I do? Did I just lose like my following? And why would I call it a following? Where's my heart? Why am I looking at that? What God would actually do is shut things down because he said, I need you to know me more than you know ministry. So when my focus was always on the things that I was doing and the places that I was going, it was horrible when he shut it down. Because I was doing, I was, uh, I was more like full-time hairstylist when I was getting into the ministry. Then I started transitioning out of hair and going into full-time. Well, he shuts down hair and shuts down my ministry. I, you know what I did? I planted a garden. <laughs> I had to do it myself. I wasn't used to that. And I'm like... What are you doing, God? Like, okay, first of all, I have to believe for money. You're shutting everything down. What are you trying to tell me? And he's telling me, I'm going to teach you how to eat and drink my son. That's why that message in John 6, it, is, it was offensive. People didn't understand what that meant. And I believe that today the church world still doesn't understand what does it mean. What does it mean when Jesus told them, it's not about the manna, it's not about the miracles. 
It's about eating and drinking me that I am the bread of life, the son of God, I'm the bread of life, that it's to eat me every day, it's to know me every day. And sometimes we do things and we believe that we're getting to know him, but one-on-one, it's scary to be in the place because it feels lonely. It feels very lonely. And sometimes just getting the soul filled with a person makes us feel better when God, his son, wants to be that person. And it is hard to go there. So when he shut down, and this is the first time, it was like two years ago, and uh, everything was done. I had nothing to do. It was the weirdest thing ever. Then my job gets shut down. So I did plant a garden. <laughs> I like, really did. Like, you guys should see the front of my apartment. I redid my, the front of my apartment. I did all succulents because I killed the stuff. <laughs> so it's all succulents. So there's nothing I could actually kill. So th- I was like, okay, what do you, because it was so hard. Because then what happened is that every single day I was left alone. And I had to get to a place, God, what are you trying to tell me? Because what happened when I was alone, the turmoil in my mind got louder. When I did ministry, I got to focus on somebody else. I got to tell you, you had crap. (laughs) I didn't have to go look at my own crap. I got to tell you, you got problems. It was really good. That's the best thing about ministry. That's why people like to do it. You get to help somebody else and not look at yourself. Have you ever met people like that? They are so focused on ministry, they can't receive. They cannot receive. So if you, met, if you meet somebody in leadership, pastors, pastor's wives, or somebody over here, and you go to them, and you know they're struggling, but they go, are you okay? And they want to encourage you and encourage you and encourage you because that deflects off of their soul. It's a way that they get through. It's a fulfillment of the soul. It's just wrapped up in Jesus. Wow. And these are the things that until we take a look at why we do what we do, that sometimes, that sometimes there's reasons that we run to spaces to be around people and I'm not knocking community. Love you guys. This is what you're here for. I will stop coming to Nevaeh. Stop showing up here. You have a problem. Go get alone with Jesus. That's not, that's so not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that this is why you do I'm so not saying that about Nevaeh at all. I'm not saying just because. I just, I, I like this is this what they're doing here is keeping people from doing stuff out there not talking about this at all I'm talking in general the way that we live and the things that we do can be to avoid can be to avoid because when you get stuck alone it can be so painful and uncomfortable I'd get women that would show up to my staff and they were going from Bible study from Bible study from Bible study what are you doing with all those Bible studies what are you doing with what you're getting? Sometimes it's just go get alone. You're going to get more from that than you get from that Bible study, more than that you're going to get from a Sunday morning sermon. Some people, this would mess them up. I stopped going to church for a year. <laughs> I shouldn't have admitted that right now in a recording. <laughs> I did. I thought there was a year when I had this ministry that I was not going to church, and it's because I did not have one. And you want to know something? I got more being home alone on that Sunday than I ever did in church. Why? Because I chose to take that time to usher in the presence by myself and to figure out how to get there. And it took time to get there because what happened when I was building my garden, (laughs) I got forced into being alone with my thoughts. And when I got alone with my thoughts and I realized that everything that I had been doing was to run from what was maybe in me that was afraid still of God. And that was doing things for him to get acceptance from him. And I was working for him. And there was a distortion in my relationship with him. He still anointed it. He still let it. He still was giving me the ministry, but he said, now we're done. Because this isn't what I have for you. You're more important to me than the ministry that you do. 
And some people don't understand that. They think everybody else is more important to God. When God says, no, you're more important to me. I need you. I need you over this. I don't care that you're going out and casting demons off people. I need you above that. I want you to be in love with me more than I want you to set those people free. And there's something about understanding and seeing God at that relationship that he really wants to know you to that level, that he wants to know you and you to, or he, he wants you to know him more than you know your girlfriend, your boyfriend, more than you know your friends that you're hanging out with, more than you know the people in the family that you have at home, that he wants you to know him to that level. And that's really hard when you get there, because if you ever even just try, challenge you to try it in a way that in your room and wherever you live, when it's hard to take, get away, get away from people, or maybe it's easy for you. Shut your devices down. Shut your stuff down. And get with God and ask him things. Are there things that you want to know? Sometimes we get with God and we beg him. And if you want to get into a place where you learn how to usher in the presence, don't speak the opposite of who he is because you usher in demons. When we get into prayer and we speak the opposite of God, meaning we maybe blaspheme him or we say, how could you do this? We carry anger and resentment at God and all we do is learn to beg him for stuff. All you do are speaking to hell. Because there's things in the word that all we can do, we can speak life into the atmosphere, speak praise into the atmosphere. You can release a peace on you instantly. You ever struggle with anxiety? You ever struggle with fears? If you want to go into his presence, release the opposite of that out in your prayers. Release that he's holy when you don't believe he's good. If you're struggling with believing his goodness, if you have fears that are going on, release the opposite of that and direct it at him and say that he's good no matter what and watch that inside of you will start to shift and you start to shift on the outside and your mind is able to align with his spirit. It's the quickest way. If I ever wanted to, so I wouldn't be able to enter in those places because the stuff of turmoil would come up in me and it made me uncomfortable to be alone with it. And you will find that this is the biggest thing. People just don't talk about it. If you want to ask how people do relationship with God, they do relationship with God with devotions and talking to him in the car and begging him for stuff. And if they don't get what they want, then they're mad. And that's relationship with God. But we show up on Sunday and we feel good. And it's learning that in our day-to-day life, there's a place that you can live in in storms where you proclaim he's good and you drop his presence on you day-to-day. Has anybody heard of being drunk in the spirit or slain in the spirit? Yeah? Yes. Who in here has experienced it? You can raise your hands for this. It doesn't mean holier than thou, if not. Okay. Has experienced being drunk or slain in the spirit, so you know that it's real, right? Okay. You can experience that at home alone. You can get drunk alone in the spirit. Now, some people don't understand what that is, and they would just say, no, there's no such thing, or they didn't, you know, because what happens is people get kooky with it, and people fake it, and they do, and I know that to be true. So it is something that is for you and God if you do experience it or if you do want to experience it. There's things about the presence of God that are for us here and now. But he does not throw his pearls to swine. Don't be swine. (laughs) 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 It's too hard not to say. Don't Don't be a pig. (laughs) I don't mean it like that. Don't be somebody who's in resistance to his pearls. What has happened is that people come into church and we judge things that we see. So there's also the experience where you see it happen or you've heard of it, but there's so much judgment on you, you couldn't experience it even if you wanted to because the judgment is too strong. And there's actually ways that you can experience God like that alone because of how you place yourself with him in opening up yourself with him. And I'm giving just very like 
if you desire God that way, if you desire to experience his power, like you desire to say, yep, I was home alone and I was slain on the ground in his presence as if it was outer body. That can happen, guys. Amen. That's who he is. And that's crazy. And some people just don't, can't comprehend God like that. That he can actually give you. There's a physical sensation. And here's something. I'll give you an example with this stuff. Every drug there is nowadays is a false manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Every drug. All it was was to counterfeit the Holy Spirit. That's, I loved drugs. I loved them. I had no idea that the Holy Spirit could actually lay me out in a completely different way. There were things that I took that took me to this place of euphoria or something because I hated my natural soul. I had so much toxicity in me. I was just such an uncomfortable human being that I needed drugs to cover it up. The Holy Spirit, who he is in freedom, can give you things to release things off your body to take you into a supernatural peace that's beyond comprehension and understanding. That's the ability to actually be laid out on the floor under the Spirit of God. It's the peace that you can't understand. So when people would say, being slain, let me give it to you like this. Do you want to experience a peace that's beyond your natural mind and your natural man? That's what the Holy Spirit can do. But there's something about ushering in his presence to experience that. Now, there's things that I learned during that season. Now, I had always, I had began to experience, now I came from a very uh, orthodox home. There was none of this. There was nothing about the devil. There was nothing about the power of God. My dad was a Reformed Baptist pastor. Everything was very structured and different. So I go from there, and I end up in a charismatic Bible school as a drug addict. And I was still on stuff. And I'm watching people get laid out, speaking in tongues, and doing all this stuff that I had a lot of judgment about, and I didn't understand it. So I actually had to get thrown into that environment and have the resistance on me start being removed for God's spirit to affect me in that way, to take me to those places, for me to learn that that was actually for me. So as I was doing ministry and God shuts everything down and I'm in a place where all my insides and all my crap starts coming up on me on why I even did ministry, why I was doing it, to fulfill something in me that made me feel better about myself by helping other people. And God had to shut that down and show me how do I enter in a place with him day to day to eat and drink Jesus? How can I enter in a space where I could be finally have peace in my mind? Guys, it took months of complete him shutting. I wasn't doing anything. That's why I planted a garden. I didn't know what to do with myself. And when you get stuck in that situation where God is forcing you into that, I thank him that he did it. It changed my life, and it's the only reason that I can do what I'm doing now. It's because I learned to get quiet with him. To even to what I did on Saturday. You guys, I do corporate deliverance, okay? You're doing something crazy in the spirit realm. Do you think I could do that without eating and drinking Jesus? You know there's so much more you can do with your life when you get to that place with him? Because everything becomes an overflow, meaning everything becomes easy. It becomes an overflow in your life. So the painful things that are going on all of a sudden shift because you're in that space with Jesus every day. It becomes simpler. Just the harder things that you may have day to day will shift because of that place that you get with him. But what it takes, it takes getting alone. It takes getting alone with your mind. It takes getting alone with your thoughts. And then identifying the things that come in resistance to that. You want to know one of the hugest things that's going to come in resistance into your alone time with Jesus? is offense, unforgiveness. It's a bitter root. And it says, don't let the, the sun go down on your anger. Don't let, the, don't let Satan get a foothold in you. 
The moment that we allow unforgiveness in our life, we carry something. We carry offense towards somebody. That's going to be the quickest way that there's a spiritual wall that goes up in the, in the spirit realm and a wall that will divide how you can enter into the presence with God. Why? Because the seed will be bigger in you. It will be bigger in you. It's harder, especially when the offense is towards God and you don't know it's there. A lot of people carry offense towards God. There's questions. And you will know if you carry offense. Ask, look at how you talk to God. What are your thoughts towards him? Do you ask him a lot? Are you wondering? Are you get frustrated? Do you get mad? It's a lot of the ways that you will identify when you are carrying offense towards him. And that's going to be one of the hardest things, one of the biggest resistance on how to be able to enter into presence where there is a release even alone. When you're home alone, you can experience that release on you. And the other one, like I said, it's shifting the atmosphere. Meaning if you want to even shift the atmosphere in your home, for some of you that may have chaos in your home, maybe you just have an environment of chaos who actually oversee, some of these are more kids, but the older ones in the back, <laughs> you guys will understand this, okay? The home that you live in, not calling you guys old or anything. <laughs> That's not what I meant. You know what I mean? That's not what I meant. These are like all younger and Jane. No, I didn't mean it like that. I got like 20 year olds right here. That's what I meant. I'd be the older ones too. I didn't mean it like that. Oh, come on. I'm talking about adults. I'm talking about adults. Okay. I just know they wouldn't because they probably live with their parents. This is what I'm saying. So in your house, like in my apartment, when, I, when people come into my apartment and I'm doing like deliverances and I'm doing things in, um, like there's, when people are in your environment, okay, there is such an easiness. What happens is stuff gets released into the spirit realm. So things are released. So let's just say your parents, let's say your kids, let's say there's chaos. Let's say there's arguing. Let's say there's things that happen when these people are together. There are spirits that are released, disunity, chaos, um, Oh, like dissension. I mean, it's, it's, and that's what happens. So the atmosphere is carrying these seeds, these demonic things. This happens in churches. It happens in this place. I have to clear this place out every time when I'm going to do the event because there's a demonic thing that likes to be released. The demons do that. That's what they do. That's what they, they steal seeds. They steal the word of God. So they do it in communication. They do it in families too. So because I have a lot of people that come in and out and because of what I'm doing every day, I have to shift the atmosphere in my apartment, anywhere that I'm going, anywhere that I'm going to do ministry, the atmosphere has to be shifted. Meaning, so whatever is, happens and being released in that, when you want to enter into a presence, like if you want to go into a place where you want to talk to God or get into his presence, but what happens is you notice that your mind is already being opposed. There's already something coming against you that you have to speak out the opposite of it. It's releasing in the atmosphere the opposite of what is coming down, and then you're going to shift out the demonic and release in the angels. And the angels will come in in the opposite. Now, I always, always, always release the angels, releasing the holiness in, in the atmosphere, meaning there's a release of praise that happened. No demons can stand when the release of praise has happened in the atmosphere. So, like, when I'm home and I want to be able to enter into the presence of God into prayer, I will start to release holiness. So God, I thank you for an angels of holiness that will, with trumpets, they go in the atmosphere, they run in circles, all chaos, all dissension, all disunity, all uh, spirits of uh, distraction. You go in the name of Jesus and you speak in the opposite. And what happens is in the spirit realm, things just got cleared out. There are times that actually the Holy Spirit cannot be released into the atmosphere because of the demonic opposition that is actually in the place. I mean, and this can happen in, I've seen like crazy stuff, like churches that start a church within an old cult building. Um, like a, there's a church, like the, that maybe it was like, you know, the, uh, a building that was maybe Freemasons, you know what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden they start a church there. And there's this crazy resistance that's happening in the spirit realm in that, in that church. Why? Because there's a lot of demonic stuff that was left over. 
So it's about like learning how to do that and being able to shift it in your own home to where you're actually able to enter into place with God that you can't if you don't shift it. And that's one of the, like that, the unforgiveness one and uh, shutting down like the devices. Like these are, I know these are like some like totally weird, just like things, but I'm telling you, some people just don't, we don't know how to kind of get to that place with God when you need to get there every single day and the things that come in resistance to taking you there. And so I just felt like that's what I was supposed to expand on from Saturday was the actual getting into that place instead of just screaming at you guys that you need to eat and drink blood. (laughs) and like to explain what it actually means to go into a day-to-day relationship with God and the things that actually oppose against it. I feel like I did my, um, the full, I was kind of like writing down random things that I, yeah, some of that stuff I feel like there's, um, I won't go into that. That's a little much. That's a little much for this room. Sometimes I just got to put a filter on it. Um, And, yep, and understanding the cloud in your mind, understanding when there is a cloud. Have you, is there people here who really try and want to hear God's voice and sometimes you feel like literally there's something silencing your ears and your mind that you can't hear it? There's like actually opposition that shuts down your heart in having the ability to hear the spirit of God. Do you know how many people I come in contact? Anybody that I actually pray for that I do deliverance, there's always stuff on the ears, always stuff on the eyes. How do we know this to be true? It's all over scripture. People being blinded and not hearing the word and not just the in the natural, not just the ones that he cast demons out of or healed. It's in the heart. It's the hardening, it's the blinding and the things that deafen you that you don't have the ability to take the word of God in to hear him. And there's things that can actually stifle your mind. Relationships that you have, like I said, toxic emotions and relationships that you have that actually give you an inability to hear his voice. And then there's sometimes that you may pursue God's voice so, so, so much that you open yourself up to another voice because of that. I did that really bad years ago, and it completely like misled me with a man because I did it so bad. And there's ways that you can chase God's voice that you open up to another voice. And there's things that when we understand the alignment with the Holy Spirit, that it's easy, that it's easy, and it comes through peace. But what is it? What has to be done in our lives to release peace on that so that we can enter the, into those spaces with the Father? And that's really what tonight was supposed to be. It's supposed to challenge you in that. Maybe challenge you to go home and do those. Do do try those things. Turn off your phone. Um, sometimes that's the easy, that's the hardest one, dude. Turning off your phone, turning off the things that you want to look at in order to take time with God and hear from Him. Um, and just give you some simple things in order to apply to your life. And that's it. I'm going to pray. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs>